All right. Good morning, City Light. Hey, we're starting City Light Kids again. All the parents said, amen, amen. All right. They rejoice with great shouts. Uh, I do want to say as well to those of you online looking right at you this morning, all right, if you've been waiting for the kids to be back up and running to come, you can come back to church now, all right, we're good uh, to go. So on September 6th, we're happy to say uh, that we have a very planned out, spacious, socially distanced way uh, to take care of kids in the morning, uh, and we're excited to be able to do that as best we can. Uh, and so as always, your kids are still welcome in this space, if that's what you would prefer, but we are going to start having City Light Kids on the 9-11 services. So uh, as well, a couple of things for you real quick. Um, we're working on making Sundays uh, in the midst of a pandemic, trying to serve and do the best we can to create as many avenues for people to experience the Word of God, the community of God, and all that. Uh, so as long as, with, with City Like Kids starting on September 6th, we actually have two more things we're doing that start next week uh, to help facilitate running a Sunday service and blessing our community uh, here and blessing our congregation. Uh, so the two things are this. We're starting a 5 p.m. outdoor service in the field. Uh, so that's going to be every Sunday at 5 o'clock. If you want to come join us outside, we're going to run a very broken down, acoustic, uh, chill time together. Same sermon, same all that. Uh, but we'll be outside. And so I know some of you have been watching online and you're comfortable being outside. And that's great. We're going to run an outdoor service. So uh, if that's somewhere you would like to participate in service or invite your friends to, we're also praying that God uses it to reach people as they drive by or whatever and they see it uh, going on. So next Sunday we're starting a 5 p.m. service. Now this is seasonal, so we're not saying an indefinite. 5 p.m. service. We're just saying for now it seems like a good idea while the weather is good uh, to offer that outside. So we're going to do that as long as the Lord allows. It seems like a good thing. So that starts next week. And then as well, especially for those of you who are online, uh, I know some of you are not coming out of your house until there's a vaccine or something, which is great. Right, no, no problem. We want to do our very best uh, to offer community to you. So instead of just watching it on YouTube every Sunday, uh, we want to be able to give you a community online. So we're running a 9 a.m. Zoom call uh, where the service will be hosted, live hosted, uh, with a leader present, and then you'll be able to interact with other people online. So uh, if you can't make it one morning or whatever, or if you're online uh, and you're going to be that way for the foreseeable future, we want to bless you. Uh, with community as best we can. So 9 a.m. Zoom, a hosted stream with a leader present, uh, starts next Sunday, as well as a 5 p.m. service outside, uh, along with the 9 and 11 that we run in here like we normally do. So uh, those are some ways we're trying to serve and expand what God is doing uh, here at City Light and how people can be uh, plugged in. So uh, just keep those things in mind as you're talking to people, inviting people, or yourself, uh, especially if you're online, and one of those options works best for you. Um, uh, go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your scripture journal, remember if you're new today, uh, first of all, welcome. I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Nate. Uh, super glad for you guys to be here. We have a little gift for you as you walk out, as well as a connect card if you fill out your information, your social security card, any of that kind of stuff that could be helpful to us. Uh, that was a joke, all right? I don't want your social security number, all right? Uh, but just name and contact so we can follow up and bless you. We'd love to connect with you uh, and help you get plugged in and give you a gift. So if you're new, please do that. As well, if you don't have one of these yet, take it. This is yours. Uh, if you do have one, you just forgot yours this week, okay, you can hold it and look at it, but leave it back on the seat, all right, uh, for somebody else to take next time. But use these, as we say every time, uh, the sermon should be the cherry on top, right? Ice cream is what you get with God all week, okay? We want you to read the Bible 
for yourself really well and for you to grow in that. And you can come get an additional word that will help you. Uh, but we say a lot around here, man cannot live by sermons alone. All right, so it's not going to work. You need to know the Lord yourself. So use this, learn how to read the Bible well, uh, and we can jump in together. Now, I do have an encouragement. You guys should be excited about this. Uh, does anybody notice anything different about the parking lot? Any of my observant people? Anybody? What's the, oh, no, you are here. That doesn't count. Come on. Misty knows. There's no pothole, okay? There's no pothole. Okay, thank you. Is anybody, you know, I mean, that costs money. If y'all don't care, we could just, you know, give it to somebody else, all right? But uh, we're trying to keep y'all's tires safe, all right, and good. So we got the pothole fixed. Um, amen and hallelujah to that. I hope it blesses you. It's one of those things, right, that you benefit from that you didn't even see. It's like how the Lord works all the time. He's paving the way. You don't even realize it sometimes. He's making it easy for it. Uh, and so that's a good spiritual principle there. But we had some people here working on it. Uh, it was a very interesting cast of characters, to say the least. And uh, they, were, they were coming into the building, and sometimes they would come in without a shirt on, and they would try to find me to ask me a question. So eventually, I just posted up right here in the lobby and just did some work from the lobby so that when they came in, there was an immediate interaction with me before they went anywhere else in the building uh, so they could go to the bathroom and leave and ask me questions. We did that all in the lobby. So I was sitting there uh, doing my work. Actually, I was preparing. I was doing some sermon prep. And uh, one guy walks in, and he walks to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom. He comes back out. This is a true story, guys. He walks out of the bathroom and immediately throws his hands up and says, praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit is present in this place. Uh, you know, praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit. He walks out of the bathroom like that. I'm like, I ain't never seen anybody walk out of the bathroom like that in my life, you know. And I'm like, yeah, brother, amen, you know, yeah, that's right. So he walks over, he's like, I got the goosebumps, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's right, right? Uh, and for about 10 minutes, he proceeds to tell me a bunch of interesting stories about everything. Uh, but you don't need to know the details of that conversation. But what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit is present in this place, all right? Amen, amen, that's good. It has been verified from outside witnesses. The Holy Spirit is here. At the very least, he's here on Thursday. That was Thursday uh, and Sunday. So hopefully every day of the week, but we know Thursday and Sunday, the Holy Spirit is present. So I hope you're encouraged by that. In light of the fact that the Holy Spirit is present here, um, especially on Thursdays, I want to invite you to our Restore Nights, which are happening Thursday nights at 6.30, where we come to pray and to worship and to seek God's face together. Uh, what we're also adding to that at 7.30 is a training session. There's two options. One is a Spanish literacy class uh, for our community, especially those who are native in Spanish, uh, but they don't know how to read and write yet. We want to help them grow in that. But also, if you would like to learn some Spanish or also want to come help us bless the community, please join us. There's also a ministry leadership course that starts at 7.30. So if you're interested in being trained up, equipped to lead in ministry, just generally, you want to learn and grow some more, uh, that's on September 3rd. So restore nights happen every Thursday night. We come and we worship and we pray. Now, this is important for you to participate in uh, because what we seek to do is not bring God our agenda, but to get on God's agenda, which is different. We're coming and saying, Lord, we want to know what you want to do. We want to sink City Light up with the will of God. And so we're going to come here and we're going to seek your face without bringing anything other than our praises and our worship and our adoration. We're going to ask you to give instruction and wisdom and your presence and to lead your people. 
Uh, so it's a very significant moment for us. So if you have time in your schedule to join us, there's going to be worship and then training, and it'll be a really great night just for you to be restored in your faith. So that starts, that's already happening, but the training starts on September 3rd. Uh, and one more thing before we jump into the text itself. I want to tell you a story about something that happened on Thursday. I met this lady, Daniela, okay? I want you to remember this name uh, and this face. Daniela, I remember the face. You won't remember the face. But her name is Daniela. What happened Thursday was wild. It was one of these God things. Um, we're going to pick up a bunch of food, okay? So, like, the bottom of our building here functions like a warehouse where we distribute food uh, to community around here, to people uh, who are in need of it, and it's in and out, in and out all the time. So we went to a big warehouse to pick up a bunch of food. Now, the original plan, at least what we thought, was it was a bunch of non-perishables. So we are going to have it, put it downstairs, and then we could figure out ways to deliver it to families that we have on our list. So we had that all planned out. When we show up, um, it's not what we thought, and they had 200 butterball chickens, right? These like big, round, like you could make it for Thanksgiving chickens, okay? Uh, and then hundreds of gallons of milk, hundreds of gallons of milk. I don't even know if you know what hundreds of gallons of milk looks like, but it's a lot. Uh, and hundreds of eggs, cartons of eggs, not eggs, but cart, hundreds of cartons of eggs, okay? Um, and they were like, here you go. And we're like, we have three refrigerators here, three. That's just not going to do it. That's not going to do it. The freezers are like this big. Uh, those are butterball chickens. Yeah. So we were like, oh, sure. Okay, thanks, you know. And so they give it to us. And it's like 11 a.m., you know. And then we're like, okay, what are we going to do? So we have to get rid of it today because we have nowhere to put it. Um, so I call, make a few calls with some of our connections in the community, some people who, who know, know different people who get the word out. We get the word out. I'm telling you. 11 o'clock was when we found out the problem. 4 o'clock, it was done. All the food was gone. All of it. Which is crazy, okay? Yeah, you could give the Lord praise for this. This is good. All the food was gone. Uh, within like an hour, we had two outreaches planned. One was here. There was a line of people here that, that we got to share the gospel with and bless them uh, with some food. And it was an amazing time here. And then we ran another event over at Braddock Elementary for families in Annandale. And we're doing the same thing there, lining up, being able to share the gospel, bless people. Uh, and the Lord really, what looked like a problem, right, turned into an opportunity. This is how God works. But what happened at the end of the day, um, everything was done. So we had given away all our chickens and food and all that stuff. It was supposed to start at 4 and go to 6, but families got there at 1, and they were lined up. So everything was gone by like 4.15, gone. And everything was so gone, we just started grabbing stuff in the pantry. Like, we had some noodles, we got, I mean, what do we have? What do we have? We ran out of all that stuff, and then I was like, I think I have some gift cards upstairs, which is giant. We go upstairs, we got some of that, we ran out of that, and now we're like, literally, we're like, done. Like, we've, we've literally exhausted everything we have in the building right now uh, to be able to do it. So we're like, we just got to shut it down early, we don't have anything else to give. So we close the door, we try to finish everything up, explain it to everybody that's left. Now a lady after that comes knocking on the door, right here in the back, right in the bottom right. She comes knocking on the door, we're like, we open it, well, you know, we had Pastor Luis is there with me, and we explain like, hey, we're out of everything. Like everything. This was Daniela. She's probably in her mid-30s would be my guess. She said she had three little children in, in school right now. Uh, she had this little black cart that she had walked over from Monticello, which is the apartments by Giant, over across the way. It's probably at least a 30-minute walk would be my guess. Um, and uh, we told her, she was like, it's only 5 o'clock. I thought this lasted till 6. And we were like, yeah, everybody got here early. Like, it's gone. Like, we, we literally, if I had anything to give you, I would give you. It's gone. And I, she was so de defeated, demoralized, you know. Like, she heard about the good news. She'd come over here. Uh, and she was very nice and very gracious. Like, I understand. Uh, we had, like, a paper towel. Hole. You had, had, like, something. 
Um, and we obviously we took her number down and then we followed up. So everybody, it's good, like we're, we're taking care of her. It wasn't like we just left her stranded. But in that moment, seeing her face, that, the whole rest of that night just bothered me to death. And I think God kept impressing on me, like, Nate, there's a thousand Daniela's around here, like thousands of them. Like what, what happened in that moment and what you saw that day. Listen, I've done a lot of outreach for years at churches. I've never seen food go that fast, ever, spontaneously without being planned. People just had to show up within a few hours, hundreds of stuff gone, boom. Uh, and it just reminded me right now, and some of us are probably closer to experiencing that because of maybe our own personal struggles, but some of us not because maybe your job's still good. Uh, this is really, really desperate. Like the time is really bad. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. Way, way worse than probably you could even thought. And situation is really desperate. Just in this community alone, so Daniela shows up, and she just puts like a face and a name on the experience of our community. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. It's been bothering me. Uh, in our staff meeting, we went over these two verses. Let me share them with you. Psalm 41.1, blessed is the man who considers the poor. He will be delivered in the day of trouble. Proverbs 19.17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. He will repay him for his deed. And then we just kept thinking about this. Blessed is the man who considers the poor. Not like who does something once a month for the poor. But somebody who considers, who thinks about the plight of, who's bothered by the situations of, who seeks to put in effort and energy to find solutions for the poor. Blessed is that person. And thinking about, it was just a good reminder, which we're doing that. So there was nothing to be upset about. We're, we're trying to do that. But it was a reminder to me of what are we doing here? Like, why did God put City Light here? Why did he do that? Like, what are we doing in this community and we say all the time, right, we're not, uh, services are a launching pad, not a landing place. We don't just do this. We come to be equipped and sent out into the community so we can bless the Lord and be the light of the world. And so now it just reminded me once again, taking Daniela's face, to remind all of us as well that as we're doing these deliveries and as we're pressing in and working hard for this, we're doing it so that the Daniela's of our community can come to know and love Jesus and can meet Jesus through people being his hands and feet so that we can be a real blessing to our community. Blessed is the man who considers the poor. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Now, when you're reading the Bible, this is one of those things you should stop and think. Because you know that God doesn't need me to lend anything to him. What does it mean to lend to the Lord? It's like me giving Bill Gates five bucks. You know, it's stupid. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what, what do I give? What am I lending? God doesn't borrow anything from me. What does it mean to lend to the Lord? And what he's saying here is that God so identifies with the poor and the marginalized that to serve and bless them is to do it directly to Jesus. He said that in Matthew 25, so it's over and over again in the scriptures. And for us just to be reminded as we continue to press in and continue to serve and continue to work around in this community, just to put that in front of us again, this is what we're here to do. This is why we are here, is to exalt the name of Jesus and to serve and bless the poor and those around us and to see God equip a group of people to go make a difference and be a light in the world, both to the poor and to the rich and to all people. This is what we are doing and the need is so great. So uh, I want to remind you that we have a new way of doing our delivery. So instead of doing it on Thursday night, we're doing them through our lighthouses and every month we're getting the stockpile of goods. We have a list of families that have been given to us from social workers and people in the community that we know are in need, and then we want to connect a group of people to a list of families so that we can build relationships and provide needs and do that together. So that happens through our lighthouses. Now, if you're not involved in a lighthouse, we'd love for you to get participating in one. You can go to the link and find one. But also, if this is not, if you just can't do that for whatever reason right now, you can 
can sign up in the lobby to do deliveries uh, um, just to get a list of families and to be a part of that process. So we would love for you to join in on us. Remember, we talk about all the time, the problem is not supply, it's access. The problem is not supply. There's tons of food to give away. The problem is access, is getting it to them, getting it to people that are in need. So we're gonna do that together. And I love this verse, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, because it's a reminder, right? We've been doing deliveries for what, five months now? Every week, every week. And we've been boom, 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 boom. This can get real um, hard and tight. It can get really tiring sometimes. And sometimes you don't see the change you'd like to see. You're doing delivery over and over again. And it was just a reminder to me that we're doing this unto the Lord. So I could do 200 deliveries the same way I did the first one. I did it for Jesus anyways, you know? So if I keep my eyes on him to say, I'm doing this unto you, then anything else is, is secondary to that. So we remind ourselves, we're motivated by that to say, man, I'm gonna do that unto the Lord and participate in that. Also a reminder as well, so get involved, make deliveries, continue to, to stay focused, let's keep our eyes on what we came here to do. Uh, and secondly as well, I just wanna encourage you, continue to give. The needs are just greater and they continue to rise. And God has been very gracious to this church and we've been using those resources, boom, y'all heard, we've told you a million ways, internationally and locally. Uh, and so if God continues to press that on your heart, continue to give generously and we'll continue to use those resources uh, to bless our community and the world. Um, okay, so with that in mind, let's jump to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to encourage you with a phrase we've used from the beginning, don't spectate, participate, all right? Don't spectate, participate. Remember, I can't see your faces, so I need to hear your voices. So what I'm going to do real quick, all right, some of y'all might be used to this, some of y'all not. I'm going to train you real quick in three things you're allowed to say out loud, all right? Y'all ready for this? I got to hear your voices, all right? This is a communal activity, all right? I am not putting on a show for you. Uh, we are reading the Word of God together, okay? This is great. So uh, let me help you participate. I'm going to teach you three things. The first thing you can say is amen, okay? Very simple, amen. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, get comfortable with it. You say amen, amen. You say amen uh, when you feel like, when you agree. You're just like, I really agree with that. Yeah, you know, you say amen, okay? Amen. The second thing you can say is preach it. Everybody say preach it. Preach it. Okay, you say preach it when you're like, that's really good. You need to keep going. No, you need to keep going. Your notes might be finished. You need to keep going. Just keep saying whatever's coming to you. You just got to preach it, all right? You say preach it. Everybody say preach it. Good. Okay, good. And the last one, this is easy. You do this when you're eating at Chick-fil-A or also when you're praying uh, and somebody says something that you agree with. You go, mm-hmm. You, mm. you know, it's the deep within your heart. It's the deep within your soul. You know, you're like, mm, that's satisfying. That's good. I like to ingest that. That's good. Okay, so everybody go, mm. Thank you. Okay, you can do that too, all right? Yeah, mm. So amen, preach it, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give you those three to help you, okay? Can't see your faces, need to hear your voices. Let's do this together. Y'all ready? Y'all good? Amen. Thank you. All right, great, great, awesome. 2 Timothy 2, let's read it. Verse 14 says this, Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth. Avoid a reverent babble, for it will lead more people, it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So our main point today, it's written on the screen, is cut it straight. Turn to your neighbor say, cut it straight. Cut it straight. Cut it straight. It's very interesting from the words here, handle 
uh, rightly handle. So if you're looking in verse 15, when it says rightly handle, in Greek, that's one word. And it's one word formed from two words, which means to cut and straight. So the two words that come together to make the, the phrase rightly handle in English, and the Greek is literally to cut straight, to cut straight. So if we're going to do the word of God correctly, handle it correctly, we're going to cut it straight. This is what he's telling Timothy to do, is cut it straight. So I want you to think about cutting a straight line when you're building something, right, a construction project. you got to cut it straight. you got to measure it right. you got to cut it straight. Also, I want you to think about uh, the, the biblical idea. This is actually really cool when you start putting this stuff together. So the same word is found in Proverbs 3, 6. The way we say it in English is make your path straight. Same word. So what God does when we acknowledge him is make your path straight. Same thing in Proverbs 11:6. 6. Same word. It says he'll keep your way straight. Keep your way straight. So when you think about cut it straight, what the Bible's trying to do here with your understanding of the word of God is help you make a straight path to cut the right things out so that you can walk on it and make your steps secure. If you follow the word of God, you'll, you'll cut it straight. You'll have a straight path. So this is what we're going to do uh, today is help us learn how to cut it straight. Now, especially these days, everybody would need somebody to cut it straight with them. Right? You watch the news, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're, it's nothing. Left, right, up, down, everybody's lying, everybody's disagreeing with Nothing makes sense. You're like, if you would just tell me the truth and cut it straight. Would you just give it, just cut it straight, please? Would you just, I don't want your opinion, I want you to cut it straight with me. In the midst of that kind of culture that we live in, a straight, clear word of truth from the word of God is not only necessary, but it's also refreshing. And so I want us to know that when we come to the Bible, the Lord doesn't want us to be confused. He wants us to cut it straight. Now, some of you as well, you know, we did a few weeks ago, if you were here, we did the pattern talk about following the pattern of the world or the pattern set out from Jesus. And it's the same idea here where if we don't follow the pattern set out from Jesus, so some of us, right, you follow the, the, the lines of culture or the way you should go, right, from what? So culture says this way, then they say, nope, not that way anymore, this way. No, go this way. Believe this, no, believe this, no, believe that. And like, believe this, and then five years later, they're like, no, that was wrong, you need to believe this. And then, and you're just, if you're going this way and that way, you're living your whole life like that because you're doing what other people around you are telling you to do, but it's not creating a straight path for you to walk on because nobody actually knows and they're just guessing every few minutes whatever culture says everybody agrees upon that changes every three seconds okay it just is very significant and so now you say your life feels very crooked and confusing and maybe that's how you came in here this morning and the reason is because you haven't cut it straight because you're following the advice and counsel of the world your line keeps moving and your path isn't straight and the lord wants to help you walk in a straight path today Cut it straight involves both right understanding and right action. This is very important. The sermon today is not just about knowing the Bible. It's about putting it into practice. The point of right thinking is so that you can do right living. That's the point. So if you learn to do right thinking and it doesn't lead to right living, it's pointless. The point of knowing the truth is so you can live it and apply it and do that. So that's what we're looking at with the scriptures today. It's both knowledge and practice. So we're just going to walk through the text little by little, and we're going to see some ways we can cut it straight. Here's a sentence for you to write down today. Our life will be conformed to the will of God to the extent that it is transformed by the word of God. Yeah, there we go. All right. Somebody's listening. Amen to you. Our life will be conformed to the will of God to the extent that it is transformed by the word of God. You cannot walk on a straight path 
by yourself, by your own brain. It's not going to work. Your life will be conformed to the will of God and your way will be straight to the extent that it is transformed by the will of God. Not just informed by the will of God, the word of God, but transformed. Some of y'all know a lot about the word but aren't living according to the word. Mmm, see, there you go. Y'all are getting it. Y'all are quick learners, right? And the 9 a.m. took a little longer for them to learn, but uh, y'all got it. Y'all ready. Y'all had your breakfast. You had your sleep. Y'all ready to fire it up, okay? So write that down. Let's do this. Verse 14, let's start. He says, remind them of these things. Let's stop right there. These things. What I want to say real quick is he's teaching Timothy, and then we live by the same way, that we teach these things, not our things. These things, objective truth handed down from God to the Apostle Paul, to us, objective truth, these things, the doctrine of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection from, for sin, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the scriptures. We teach these things, not our things. We teach truth, not opinion. This is what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. What I want you to do, I want you to write this down. We must live by revelation, not opinion. We must live by revelation, not opinion. And I know so many of us, even in this room, have given our life to our things, opinion. And that's why you're going left, right, up, down, over, all right. And you look back and your way is all crooked and you're forward, you don't know. It's because you're giving your life to the opinion of man and you're living according to their opinion. When God says, no, you need to live by revelation. You live by what comes down from heaven that's revealed in the scriptures, not what comes up from men. This will fix a lot of things in your walk with Jesus if you learn to live by revelation, not opinion. We teach these things, not our things. The straightest way always is the Lord's. Always. So if you live your life according to these things, it may not look straight or feel straight sometimes, but when you look back, you'll say, oh, it was a straight path. And I'm going to keep walking on that. Some of y'all can give testimony to that to say, the way forward was according to the word. It didn't feel straight, but when I looked back, it was straight as an arrow, just straight. God had made my steps secure even when I wasn't sure. So remind them of these things. This is so important. You could do a whole sermon on this. You live by revelation, not opinion. This is so important, especially like election times and all that. Oh, everybody's got all these. You live by revelation, not opinion. Live by revelation, not opinion. And that's for those of you who are Christ followers to say, man, i got to know the word of God. What does God say? How can I live my life according to that? And for those of you who are in the room, maybe you're seeking or you're not sure about Jesus and the Bible. And what I want you to go ahead and realize about your own life is when you're living by the opinions of man, it's leading you in all sorts of wrong directions. God wants to give you life and lead you on a straight path. He has the revelation for you. It's in the Bible. God has spoken. He knows how we should live our lives. So we live by revelation, not opinion. Now, this is important especially when it comes to things like our desires, right? So in the in a culture that we live in, desires lead the way. Whatever you feel, you should do. And now the Bible comes up and it says you take your desires, opinion, and you line them up with revelation, and then you live accordingly. What does God say is appropriate and inappropriate? I'm going to live by revelation, not opinion. Or the decisions I should make at work, or the way I should lead this or that, or the things I should do, or the words I should use, doesn't matter what man's opinion says is acceptable or unacceptable. I'm not concerned about that. What does God's revelation say? How can I live by revelation? And so often, guys, we make our mistakes just by living by opinion. 
We don't even realize it, but that's what we're doing every day because we're listening to the news and all these different things. We give four minutes to God's word and four hours to what other people think, and then you wonder why it's all. You're living by opinion, opinion, and that's just going to. We live by revelation. We're the people of God. So know the word of God so you can live by revelation. A quick question for you is what are you living by? What are you living by? Okay, the next one. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. So obviously, let me say something clear. The point isn't that words don't matter and that we shouldn't be specific. Paul was very specific in all his writings. Words matter. The point here is that there's a type of speaking that's speculative, empty, and leads to destructive fighting over things that are unimportant and peripheral. To say, I'm going to give my time and energy to these things, but they end up being unimportant or peripheral. I'm going to quarrel about words. And once again, man, this text is great for an election year to say, okay, we need to remember how God has told us to have our discussions. What does it look like to be a people who prioritize the most important things and who figure everything else out in accordance with that? Now, I want to tell you something here. The main thing, though, seems to be, so a lot in 2 Timothy, Paul's going to talk about um, the talkers who lead people astray and the doers who back up their talking with action. And he's going to put these things in set to say, these people talk a big talk and they're leading people astray. You, Timothy, need to talk it and live it and do it. And the reason why quarreling about words is a problem is because people begin to substitute that for action. So instead of acting on it, they're quarreling about it. Let me tell you something right now. Write this down. You cannot substitute arguing for living. This is so important, and some of y'all like, I'm just be stepping on your toes a little bit right now, to think about, you cannot substitute arguing for living. Talking about God with your people or whatever, and never living that out, is empty. It doesn't mean anything. I, I used to, um, listen, I've been to seminary twice, okay? I love seminary, nothing against seminary. Big fan, okay? I, I went there. But seminary was a breeding ground for people arguing about things and never living them out. It used to drive me nuts. It used to drive me nuts. People would be like, they sit around and argue about how does God save people? Does he choose? Do we choose? Whatever. I'm like, why don't you just show, share the gospel and find out? Who cares? Like, just go share the gospel. Let God do whatever he's going to do. Why are you going to? They substitute. And somehow, sitting around arguing about the things of God makes them feel like they're doing something. And God's saying, no, man, even when it comes to something good and holy to talk about, of course you should talk about things like that. That's all well and good. It can turn into something speculative and empty, and it replaces action. This is Paul's concern, is that your talking so much is replacing your action because you think talking is action. And now he's saying, no, 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 you need to speak, but you need to back it up. Don't substitute arguing for living. Now, so many of you know this principle play out in your workplace when you have a meeting to plan another meeting. Everybody, everybody said amen, right? Mmm. Mm. And I, I think Christians are the worst at this in church life. Okay, so we have a meeting. The action step at the end of the meeting is to come to the next meeting. You're like, what in the world? What did I just spend two hours of my life doing? They're like, we'll make a decision later. And then the next time we'll make a decision. I'm like, just make a decision. We're, we're supposed to. So this is the same thing. We have meetings to plan meetings to plan another meeting. And when we meet, we feel productive because we met and we talked. And that's how it goes round and round and round. What did you do today? Well, I had some meetings. It's a great way to sound busy without ever doing anything, without ever getting anything done, right? We're all guilty of that sometimes. I just had some meetings. You know, I had some meetings. We have meetings to plan other meetings, and that drives us crazy. I want you to think about the same thing spiritually is for us to talk and get together and talk and talk and talk. That's why we say this is a launching pad, not a landing place, because what we talk about here needs to be lived out there. 
This is important. We don't just get together to talk and speculate and to quarrel about words. Don't substitute arguing for living. Don't substitute arguing for living. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I just want you to realize one word here, worker. Now I want you to be with me. Reading and applying the Bible is work. It's hard work. It's hard work. You know why he just gave the metaphor soldier, athlete, farmer? Right? You say, being a farmer is hard work. And then he's going to come back and say, if you want to know the word and live it out, that's hard work. Then you have your mind, being a soldier, man, that's hard work. And he's going to pull it back and say, if you want to live according to the Bible, hard work. You have another mind, athlete, being an Olympian athlete, hard work. You know it. And he's going to pull it back and say, man, if you really want to know and live to the word, hard work. And the reason I think so often we come up short of what God actually wants us to do and live by is because we didn't expect it to be hard work. We thought I'd just open my Bible for five minutes and the floodgates would pour out. And I have all the revelation I need, you know, on my app for three minutes. No. No, it's better than zero, okay? I'm not saying that. But it's not doing what you wanted it to do. It's hard work. Now, reading the Bible is hard work. Living the Bible, are we all know, are we ready for that? That's hard work. Y'all realize that? Like, we have the wrong expectations. And we're going to walk out of here and be like, man, it's going to be great. You know, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. All right, you're not going to do that every three seconds. That's not how it's going to be sometimes. But we got to have the expectation that God expects us to be workers, workers. And if I come to the Bible, uh, there was this, uh, there's this old pastor, like 1800s or something. He used to read his Bible with his work boots on. He'd put his work boots on just to mentally get him to the place to say, this is work, I'm going to put in the effort. Because while I work, God works. See what I'm saying? So God's the one who does the work, okay? It's not really up to you, but he does the work along with your work. So it's not like you can just sit by and all of a sudden, you know, make a difference in the world or really know the scriptures. It takes work. It takes hard work. So if we mentally say, man, God expects us to work hard, write this down. We do our best to present ourselves to God by doing our best to know God's word. So he says, I present myself to God. Now you're saying, I want to be able to stand before God approved. And you know, we all, most of us in here, and if you don't know this, you should know, the way to stand before God approved is to trust in Jesus, okay? He did all the work you could never do. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the dead. We stand approved not because of anything we can do, but because of what God has done. Now, on top of that, now when I begin to live my life towards God, my offering to him, it says, well, I want to present myself to God approved. It's very simple. It's not that complicated. He says, well, if you'll present yourself to the word and do the work and know your, do your best to know the word, then you will do your best to present yourself approved to God. You say, I wonder how I should spend my life or what I should do with my time or how does, what does God really think? What is he pleased with? What is that? And you say, man, just be in the word. Do your best to love and know the word and you will present yourself to God. You have an offering to present to him. He says this because looking in verse 15, he says, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Now the point isn't that, the, the, the point in chapter one was don't be ashamed of the gospel. That was the point in chapter one. The point of chapter 2 here now is don't be ashamed of your work for the gospel. So it's not like, hey, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. He already did that. Now he's doing, I don't want you to be ashamed of your work. So that when you stand before God and you realize what, you, what you're giving him, what life you lived, you're like, man, man, you feel ashamed because it wasn't quite what you wanted it to be. He wants Timothy to avoid that. 
An example would be, y'all know this, like you're trying to build a desk from Ikea or something, right? I have so many terrible stories about these kinds of things where you put, you put it together backwards, you know, and halfway through you realize the crib was backwards or the desk was backwards or whatever. You tried to follow the instructions, but not really, you know, who really pays attention to the instructions, you know? So you're doing it on your own and there's little screws and, you know, I, I hammer stuff where screws are supposed to go and it's just like, man, this is all falls apart. It's a disaster, right? We hate that. Uh, we're building something and it doesn't quite work out. Now the reason is, is because we haven't followed the instructions. At the end of the day, when we build the desk back, backwards, we're ashamed of our work. The problem wasn't the instructions, it was our work. And that's the same kind of thing Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, is man, God has given you the instructions. If you follow the instructions, you will build what God wants you to build with your life. And you'll be able to present that to him. But if you don't follow the instructions, you're going to do it backwards. Okay, you can't cut it straight without the right instructions. All right, let's, let's, continue. Let's fly through this in. Verse 16, avoid irreverent babble. It will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Irreverent babble uh, also could be called unholy chatter. First uh, Timothy 6.4 calls it empty words. So same type of phrase uh, translated in English as empty words. Proverbs 10.8 says, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. So you see what he's saying here? is that a wise person will receive commandments and walk in the instructions of the Lord. A babbling fool just talks about his own opinion, and that's going to lead to his own destruction. Or a babbling fool just receives the opinions of men, that's going to lead to his own destruction. A wise person receives commandments, which come from God. Avoid irreverent babble. Avoid irreverent babble. Now you say, sometimes, how do we know if it's empty talk? Sometimes it sounds like it might be good. Sometimes it sounds like it might be somewhat something that needs to be talked about. Well, look what he says. It leads people away. So write this down. See the fruit, know the root. Very simple. See the fruit, know the root. If a person is speaking in a way that brings division, uh, unnecessary conflict, animosity, that spreads, points people away from God into more ungodliness, no matter what it might be couched in, aka religion, it's empty talk. It's irreverent babble. You know the root from the fruit. So you see the fruit, you know the root. Now I want to show you something. This was, might have been my favorite part of the passage I thought was so interesting. Verse 16, he said, or verse 16, he says, he would lead people into more and more ungodliness. Now the word there for lead is advance. So if you're reading it just straight, it would say people will advance into more and more ungodliness. Meaning that what the world calls advancement right, is actually a regression. They think they're advancing and progressing into greater levels of enlightenment and moral living and acceptance, while all the while they think they're advancing, they're degressing. Because the world's version of advancement is to more and more ungodliness. This is so important. See, the world's version of advancement, uh, write this down. The world's version of forward is God's version of downward. You've got to hear me. This applies to everybody, okay? Everybody. No matter what your political party is called, okay? All right? The progressiveness, according to the world, right, is downward. It's downward. They will advance into more and more ungodliness. All people who don't follow the Lord, who don't do things according to God's word, what they call advancement is really a regression. What their version of forward is God's version of downward. This is so important because now you begin to navigate your life in the world with people that think they're advancing the cause of humanity 
and you say, let me check the word. Let me check the word. I'm going to live by revelation, not opinion, because the world's version of forward is God's version of downward. And I want to really move forward with my life. I want to walk on a straight path. And the Lord is the only one who can lead me in that way. And so don't be fooled by the world around you advancing because they're advancing into more and more ungodliness that will lead them away from the Lord to a destructive place. God's version of forward is a life lived according to his word. Okay, so these questions, write these two questions down. You need to think about them. Whose words are you listening to and living by? Whose words? Revelation or opinion? Irreverent babble or truth? Whose words are you listening to? Not hypothetically in reality. Not whose words do you prefer or think are more correct. No, whose words are you listening to? Whose words are you living by? Then here's a question. What words are you spreading? Look at the, the false teaching it says spreads like gangrene. Let me give you a definition of gangrene. The decay of tissue in a part of the body where the blood supply is blocked due to an injury or disease. The decay continues to spread and brings death. So he's saying the words these people are using are beginning to decay people's spiritual life. And they're bringing spiritual death to the people that listen. And it's spreading. So then the question for us at City Light is you can be a person who stops the irreverent babble, who is not okay with empty words, or you can be a person who continues the spread. And each of us make our decision in that. And each of us plays a role in allowing the truth and the revelation of God to stand or letting irreverent babble weave its way through the church. So what words are you spreading? What words are you spreading? Words of truth, words of grace, words of kindness, words according to God's words, not your opinion. What words are you spreading? Are we close with this? Verse 19, God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Here, I'm going to give you a little rhyme. Those who are the Lord's will run from what he abhors. Okay? I know it's corny, but it's good. Mmm. Those who are the Lord's will run from what he abhors. One of our pastors here calls me Dr. Seuss because some of my sermons rhyme. I'm just going to live up to it. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to lean in to my Dr. Seussness. Those who are the Lord's will run from what he abhors. There's two ways to really know who are the Lord's and who's telling the truth. The one is that God knows. God sees the heart. The second is that we can see lives. God sees the heart. He's the only one who knows the heart. But we can see lives. So the Lord knows those who are his. We look at a life and we say, are you departing from iniquity or running into it? Are you advancing into ungodliness or holiness? Uh, real quick, the story here is really fun. Uh, did you know, let me tell you this, two-thirds of the New Testament is a quotation of the Old Testament. This is fun, okay? It's just the New Testament is the Old Testament in a new way with Jesus coming, right? So these are the same. It's really cool. This story, this quote comes from Numbers 16, where this guy named Korah was in a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And basically his point was, we're the priests, we're the Levites, you think you're so special and holy, boo. You know, I don't like you like that, you're just like us, okay? You can't tell me what to do. It's basically like, he's like a five-year-old, okay? You can't tell me what to do, I'm my own boss. You're like, okay, <laughs> sure, little buddy. Yeah, let's see how that plays out. No, okay. So Moses is like, cool, man, like, let's find out. So he sets a little thing up, it's like a duel, you know, not quite, but a duel the Lord decides. And uh, for the next day, but you know what Moses says? He's not afraid. He says, the Lord knows those who are his. 
That's what this quotation is from. To say there's a group of people who claim to be religious leaders, the, the Levites, with the leader of Korah. At least 250, it says, well thought of men came with him. 250, well thought of men were with Korah. And they were saying, Moses, no, 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 we're not doing it your way anymore. Your way is hard work and it stinks. All right, we're not doing that. And Moses says, the Lord knows those who are his. And then the Lord reveals it the next day. And what I want to ask you is that God knows you, but does he know you as one of his own? God already knows your name. God already knows how many hairs are on your head. God already knows your situation. God already knows your future. God knows everything about you. The question is not whether God knows you. It's whether God knows you as one of his own. Does God know you as a son or a daughter? The ultimate end of the word of God is that people would read the word of God and believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And that we would live lives in accordance with Jesus Christ. The straightest line that has ever been cut is the one from your sin to your salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that if you would believe and trust in Jesus today, you would begin to walk on a straight path that doesn't lead towards your destruction downward, but leads towards your salvation upward with him. The Lord knows your name, but the question is, does he know you as one of his own? And if not, today's the day. I'm pleading with you, today's the day to give your heart to the Lord, to believe in what Jesus has done for you, to walk on the straight path with him, because every other way is going to lead you towards destruction. Every other way. And your only application from this sermon today is to become a follower of Jesus. The Lord knows you, but does he know you as one of his own? Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. And Jesus, we thank you that we have your revelation. I pray that you would make City Light a place built on your word, that we live by revelation, not opinion. We count on your word, Lord. We trust and follow your way, not our desires, not our opinion, God. Make us a people of true, good, healthy speech, not irreverent babble, not empty words, not planning meetings to plan other meetings, Lord. Make us a people of action in spirit and in truth, Lord. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we have a straight path. We don't have to wonder how to live our lives. You have told us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help this group of people at City Light be a people on the straight path with you and that you would lead many others to join us, God, as we walk with you, as we walk towards you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.